Welcome to the New Day Church Message of the Week. It is our hope and prayer that you encounter the one who created you through hearing this message today. To contact us or find out more information about our events and who we are, go to newday-church.org. Thank you for listening. So can we extend a hand of blessing towards Joe and Mike? Heavenly Father, we thank you for these two and we bless them. Fill them up, Lord. We thank you for the words. Uh, the meditation of their heart and we welcome you to come and meet with them and move mightily. Lord, we love you and we love them. Lord, speak through them and help us to hear the truths that you wish to teach us in this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning, New Day. Thanks for letting me come back and speak again. Um, I guess I want to just start out this morning we were praying before service and we were asking God for like colors or smells or anything and I was seeing bandages and they were going on these nasty wounds and the second that they hit the wounds, the wounds came healed. There was still a scar behind but the wounds were healed and I hope that today can be that kind of healing for, for people. So... Um, when we were at the park the other day, I had a quote that I uh, shared. I don't know, do any of you guys suffer from like anxiety, social anxiety, situational anxiety, anything like that? Yeah? So I had a lot of problems with that too, and I always thought, oh, just reading something or breathing techniques wasn't going to work for me. But when I read this and really, truly stopped to like break it down and feel it, it helped me get through pretty much most of my anxiety. So I don't know if we can get the next slide, otherwise I have it here. Oh, perfect. Yes, it is. All right. Yesterday, today, and tomorrow. There are two days in every week about which we should not worry. Two days which should, not be, should be kept free of fear and apprehension. Of one of these days is yesterday, with its mistakes and cares, its faults and blunders, its aches and pains. Yesterday has passed forever beyond our control. All the money in the world cannot bring back yesterday. We cannot undo a single act we performed. We cannot erase a single word we said. Yesterday is gone. The other day we should not worry about is tomorrow, with all its possible adversities, its burdens, its larger promise. Tomorrow is also beyond our immediate control. Tomorrow, the sun will rise, either in splendor or behind a mask of clouds, but it will rise. Until it does, we have no stake in tomorrow, for it is yet un unborn. This leaves only one day, today. Anyone can fight the battles of just one day. It is when you, add, you and I add the burdens of these two awful eternities, yesterday and tomorrow, that we break down. It is not the experience of today that drives us mad. It is the remorse or bitterness for something which happened yesterday and the dread of what tomorrow may bring. Let us therefore live one day at a time. My recovery people out there know that we are saying is one day at a time, right? And it's truly important that we, we do things one day at a time because if you're always worried about tomorrow or thinking about your mistakes of the past, 
how are you able to live in the moment and live for the Holy Spirit? Yeah, amen. Mm -hmm. Check, check. Can you hear me okay? Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Keep talking, Joe. All right. <laughs> so uh, let's take a little um, quiz here. How many addicts we got here today? How about alcoholics? We got any alcoholics here today? Yeah. So we're not speaking that over ourselves. We're just admitting what we what we were, right? Um, so let me ask you this, and we'll get to the next slide. Yeah. Has anybody did anything wrong today? How much time you got? said in your head no, then, well, this is the service for you, right? Um, yeah, because <clears throat> when we start admitting our more moral defects, then uh, that's uh, where we start overcoming. So I'm going to get that next slide. Yeah, and Pastor actually read uh, Matthew 6.34, which was my next slide, because I, I think it's important to show, like, this is backed by Scripture. The stuff in recovery is not just somebody threw it together one day and hoped it would work. It really has some divine inspiration behind it. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Sound familiar to something I just read? <laughs> so, um, here's kind of, the next slide is kind of what we're going to go over today. Um, what is recovery? Is it just for drug addicts and alcoholics? Uh, what other kind of addiction is out there? Am I an addict? How does recovery work? What's the deal with all these steps? Uh, what is a resentment and how do I get rid of it? So, first off, is it just for addicts and alcoholics? And that is a definite no. Recovery is anybody who's looking to live an honest and more open, fulfilled life. Um, it's really at the core of it. I mean, it is about drugs and alcohol, but it's really about cleaning up your side of the street. It's about fixing the relationships that you managed to break while you were in your addiction or while you were struggling and, and, and make them right again. Um, so if we go to who, what kind of uh, addictions are there, there's substances, that's what most people obviously think of when you think of addiction, alcohol, tobacco, drugs, street drugs, um, the other kinds, behavioral, pastor, pastor touched on a few of these, food, sex, porn, computers, video games, working, exercise, cutting, shopping, um, Impulse control stuff, kleptomania, pyromania, gambling. So it's really, it's not, I mean, there's other things too that aren't up here. Codependency, um, bad relationships, not being able to uh, have good conversations with people. Let me jump in there real quick. Um, so I've seen a lot of times, even in, in our marriage, right, uh, in my addiction, Gene was addicted to, to fixing me, right? Yeah, I mean, really. And, uh, and when I got clean, she kind of lost that, right? So a lot of people that spouses and, and relatives of addicted people uh, kind of lose their identity when, when that person gets clean, right? So there is that addiction, too, that's on that side of the street. Say a piece on Alan. Oh, yeah. Uh, so on Tuesday night, my wonderful wife hosts a Narnon meeting here. That's uh, um, the, um, it's like Al-Anon, but it's for addicts or alcoholics, whatever. And it's not just, um, Gene, you, you want to come up and say anything? Or, yeah. can I, or can I come back since you got your foot 
prompt. I'm gonna bring I'll bring the mic back. You coming up? Uh, no, so um, Naranon, yes, it's for the families and friends of addicts and, or anybody with addiction. Um, and uh, there are, are people here that would even attest to how it's helped them. Um, just showing up in knowing that you're not alone, like there are other people um, that can relate to what you're going through is super important. Um, I didn't realize that until... I mean, actually, I don't even know why I waited <laughs> as long as I did. I mean, we've been married 19 years, and I didn't look for support until, I don't know, a couple years ago. And, and once I found it, though, I was like, wow. Like, I am so thankful that there's people that I can relate to. Like, I had no idea. <laughs> I thought that, I mean, I knew I wasn't in it alone, but to be able to talk to other people and, and not have them judge you and just know, like, this is what I'm dealing with. Like, yeah, we get you, sister. We know what you're going through. Like, <clears throat> it's really it's really beneficial. And um, don't ever be ashamed to come. Like, even though we call ourselves Christians and we are Christians, like, we don't always have it together. <laughs> so don't let the enemy hold you back by saying, you know, don't show up there because then you're a failure, you know, whatever he may tell you because... That's the enemy, <laughs> you know, you want to have support. You know, it, it helps you so much um, when you know that there's people walking alongside you and, and um, can relate to you and help you with what you're going through. So yeah, Tuesday nights, 7 p.m. Awesome. Thanks, Jean. And Naranon and Alanon um, also use the same 12 steps that AA and NA and all the other ones use. So just goes to show you that they really do work. Um, so how about am I an addict? How about what is an addict? The term addiction describes a compulsive act which causes harm to the person and those around them and over which the person no longer has control. We call it the insanity, right? Um, so addiction is a prior, this is a scientific definition if anyone wants to hear it. Addiction is the primary chronic disease of brain reward, motivation, memory, and related circuitry. This is reflected in the individual pursuing reward and or relief by substance use and other behaviors. The addiction is characterized by impairment in behavioral control, craving, inability to uh, consistently abstain and diminish recognition of significant problems with one's behavior and interpersonal relationships. Joe's got something to say about yeah, yeah, I got something to say about that. So, um, I used to uh, get high before I went to get high, right? Before I'd go cop dope, I'd get a dopamine rush and start rushing, and, and that was part of the high, right? And then all the other nonsense that I, that I did along the way. Uh, but I think that uh, Mike putting this together, you're doing a wonderful job of the slides too, but um, 12 steps, everybody everybody can use them. Are we getting close to, yeah, the, yep, yep. to them? This one after this. Okay, I'm gonna go through them if you don't care, Mike. Yeah. So. In fact, if you wanna skip past how does recovery work, we can just get right to the steps. Okay, cool, there you go. Step one, we admitted we were powerless over addiction, that our lives had become unmanageable. 
Um, for me, that took forever. That took forever for me to, to admit that I was powerless. Um, my life was totally unmanageable. You know, I was eating out of dumpsters in Key West, right? And I don't get too much unmanageable and then ended up in prison. Um, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. That's so hard, right? You know, when we're lost out there. Uh, I, I was bad at God. I think I talked last time about it, so I'm not going to get into that. But um, step three, make a decision, turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understand him. So there's a key word in there made a decision, right, or a phrase, make a decision. It's our decision to turn our lives over, right? It, it's a choice. It's my choice right now. Tomorrow, I can make a choice and, and, and do something wrong, right? I have choices. God has given me choices, right? So right now, I choose to be free. I'm going to let you go to four. Yeah, and just before we go to four, one, two, and three, the uh, principles behind them are honesty, willingness, and openness. And if you can go into a situation with those three things, it definitely helps um, willingness and open-mindedness. Um, for the fourth step, so this is kind of what we're going to get into here a little bit more in depth today is fourth and fifth. Made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Uh, tell me that doesn't sound a little bit scary, right? <laughs> no, definitely not. Admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. And with that one, I always thought, you know, okay, if I'm admitting it to God, I mean, he already knows. Why do I have to say it to another person? Why do I have to admit all my dirty, dark secrets to somebody? And it's because when you take those out of the darkness and put them into the light, they're forgiven and they're cleaned. And then you don't have to live with that shame and that guilt anymore. Amen. And he is right on. So uh, when I did my fifth step, right, uh, I, I was ashamed, man. I didn't want to tell people the things I did. You know, it, it was a real darkness in there. But I had my fifth step with Christopher, right? I, I did it with one of my best friends, and, uh, and we're still best friends. So, yeah, really, you know, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, and then there's that, right? But uh, yeah, it, um, there's a freedom in that honesty in there, Mike, to be able to say, hey, I did this, and he still loves me, right? Amen, that's right. And there's nothing that you're gonna say to another addict that's gonna really surprise him all that much. Like, I was a heroin and meth addict for seven years, you're not gonna get much by me, I've, I've seen it all. So. Um, so let's see, number six. We're entirely ready to have God remove all of these defects of character. How awesome, right? Should we do that today? Yeah, try to have him remove some of these defects of character. I know, I was surprised, right? That's, that was the one I thought everyone would do. Yeah, well, we'll do this one more time for you guys. Step six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Can you give an example of character defects? Character defect, um, a fear of losing control, a fear of not being loved. Uh, Flipping off a guy in traffic. Yeah. Uh, yes, that would be a great example, Joe, yes. He doesn't do that anymore, though. I don't do that. <laughs> yes. Some people probably ask how, you know, they don't understand how to give it to 
hundred percent. And we're gonna teach you guys that today. That's the fun stuff. So can I say something real quick? So I, I really struggle with people in traffic. Okay, that's one of my greatest moral defects. It is. So I, I recently went and got my ham operator's license, okay? I put my call sign on the on the back of my car. So you can go on the FCC and look up my call sign and it tells you where I live, my name and where I live. That has helped me correct my behavior while I'm driving, right? So I'm not such an, uh, a jerk. <laughs> so seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Number eight, and this is where you get into the next like big chunk of work that you have to do in the steps. Made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Yeah, seven years of addiction, well, ten and a half years of addiction, you really can piss off a lot of people. So there's a lot of amends to make. Jump in there. So uh, today we're going we're gonna to do a little bit, a little taste of that. But I wanted to share. So there was people that I, that I harmed that are passed away, right? And how do, how do I make amends to them? So what I learned from other addicts and from a sponsor was I sat down and wrote a letter to them and asked and ask their forgiveness, you know. It just, it hurts my heart thinking about the people that I hurt, right? My mom and dad, for one, you know, they passed away years ago, and I sat down and wrote them a letter, you know, to, to, uh, to make amends. So we can make amends to anyone. What about living amends? What about the living amends? A living amends, uh, we can make amends to anyone as long as it doesn't harm us or harm them, right? Yeah, yeah, you can. Yeah, absolutely. Can you say that a little bit louder where everybody could hear it? You can't make direct amends to somebody. You can do it through your actions. That's good, Colleen. Thank you. Yeah, talk is cheap. Actions are what really show that you've grown. All right, number nine. Made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Uh, yep. 10, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. That one, that's a tough one right there. Yeah. I'm still working. Yes. Yeah, you can ask Maddie. I'm definitely working on that one, too. Being, especially the promptly admitting it part. Uh, 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. So my conscious contact with God as I understand him is different than her conscious contact, than his conscious contact, right? So it's easy to look around and go, wow, man, I wish I was as you know, dynamic as Peggy or, or, you know, as cool as Pastor Christopher. You, you can pay me later. Yeah. It slipped me a five. Uh, but, um, yeah, so it, it's easy, too, for me to look around early in my recovery and judge people, right? Uh, I, I really detest religious people. I love spiritual people, okay? I, I don't like religious people that are put up a big show and then go out there and show their butts, you know, uh, or, or whatever, right? But uh, anyhow, uh, moving, <laughs> moving on. No, no, that was Before good. I get on that so far. 
So in 10, 11, and 12, those are daily steps. Those are ones that you're constantly doing for the rest of your life because recovery is for forever. Um, step 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to other addicts and to practice these principles in all our affairs. And that one's a hard one for me too because Practicing these principles, there's so many times where I want to take back these character defects, this control, I want to have that, you know? I don't want to give it all up every single day. That, every once in a while, you want to take back these little character defects, and when you do that, that's, that's when it's nice to have a community, have the NA community, have your groups that you can go to and, and ask them, a sponsor, how, how do I do this? How do I work with this character defect? Call each other, right? Mm -hmm. you know, call each other, hey, I'm dealing with this today. Or, hey, Mike, you're dealing with us today. Yes. Yeah. So here's where we get into the fourth step stuff, and this is resentments. Does anybody want to take a guess at what a resentment is before we tell anybody? No? Oh, yeah. All right. Resentments. So here's the scientific definition. Indignation or ill will stemming from a feeling of having been wronged or offended. And the other is the state of holding something in the mind as a subject of contemplation or of being inclined to reflect upon something, a state of consciousness, conviction, feeling, impression. So resentments, they can be big or small, but holding on to any of them is gonna make you sick and is gonna keep you sick. If you're holding on to resentments, I, the best quote I've heard is, it's like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die, right? Because the other person's not, not thinking about this every single day. If it impacted you enough that you're still thinking about it, it's something for your fourth step. So Mark Twain once said, anger is an acid that can do more harm to the vessel in which it is stored to then, to, than to anything in which it's poured. So exactly what he says, you know. Uh, when we have that, that ugliness, that hate in our heart for somebody, it's, it's damaging us, you know. I mean, there's people, there's people in this room right now that someone has passed away and you still got resentment to them. They're still holding you down from the grave, you know. So it's time to let go of that. And we got a plan for, for that today. And hopefully that uh, it'll work for you. Yeah, think about that. People that may have, have harmed you, institutions, ideas, thoughts, any of that stuff. That's what we're going to work on getting rid of today. So, and that leads me to, and how can I get rid of it? Um, so this is directly from the big book in AA. Next, we launched out on a course of vigorous action, the first step of which is a personal house cleaning, which many of us have never attempted. Though our decision was a vital and crucial step, it could have little permanent effect unless at once followed by a strenuous effort to face and to be rid of the things in ourselves which had been blocking us. Matthew 12, 43 through 45, when an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes out through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I'll return to the house I left. And when it, when it arrives, it finds a house unoccupied, swept clean and put together. Then it goes and takes with it seven other spirits, more wicked than itself, and they go back and live there. And the final condition of that person is worse than the first. Right. So there's a little spiritual, there's biblical 
backing to what Mike's reading you, you know. So when you are going through the fourth and fifth step in the book, they think of it, you, you want to think of it as like a shopkeeper. And I know some of the language in the old AA books is a little outdated, so bear with us, but. <laughs> Joe's outdated, he says. Um, okay, so this is, this is, think of it like a business that's taking inventory, right? A business which takes no regular inventory usually goes broke. Taking a commercial inventory is a fact-finding and fact-facing process. This is an important part about this step because you're not going through to beat yourself up, right? You're not going through to think of all the things you've done wrong and to think of all the pain you've caused and all the hurt. The goal of this is to go through and it's a very logical, okay, what can I get rid of? Which of these character defects in me do I no longer need to hold on to? Which of these can I give up to, to the Lord? It is an effort to discover the truth about the stock in trade. One object is to disclose damaged or unsaleable goods. Those would be your character defects. To get rid of them and promptly and without regret. Because the longer you hang on to them, the, the farther away you are from living your best life, right? The farther you are from living that fulfilled Holy Spirit life. And you know, and we hold on to that stuff, right? And it just gets deeper and deeper and deeper in us embedded, right? It's hard to let go of. There's still character defects that, you know, I, I want to hold on to and that sometimes I'll go to, you know, when I'm challenged, right, by my wife about something. I want to, I want to go to that character defect. But uh, unfortunately, I'm, I'm getting further apart in that, I hope. She's smiling, so apparently <laughs> I am. So uh, the rest of this part about the fourth step, we did exactly the same thing with our lives. We took stock honestly. First, we searched out the flaws in our makeup which caused our failure, right? Because if we're not treating the problem, then, then it's just gonna keep happening. Being convinced that self manifested in various ways was what had defeated us. We considered its common manifestations. So that's looking at what are those fears in your life that are holding you back? What are, what's the shame that's holding you back? Where's the guilt that's holding you back? Think about that. I know it's not fun to think about. Nobody wants to think about that. But this service today, I really want you to think about that and where it comes from. Because we want to get rid of that. Yeah. Amen. Okay, resentment. Here we go. Back to resentment. This is what we're getting rid of today. The number one offender, the number one thing that's gonna keep you sick, the number one thing that's gonna cause you to relapse, to go back to the thing that makes you feel comfortable, resentment. It destroys more alcoholics, and this is just from the AA book, substitute addiction, whatever, whatever yours may be, than anything else. From it stem all forms of spiritual disease. For we have been not only mentally and physically ill, but we have been spiritually sick. When the spiritual malady is overcome, we straighten out mentally and physically. Wow. Amen. So resentment, what is that to me? It's me being selfish, right? Holding on to something. I don't like what Pat Peggy said, so I'm going to be offended at her. <laughs> I mean, that's on me, right? I, no, yeah, I love you, but I was just using you as an example. But no, really, um, it, it's so easy to... Uh, to do that, and, and it's just being selfish, man. It, it truly is. Oh, it's about me, right? Get over yourselves, you know? Get over yourselves. It's not about, it's not about me. It's about everybody else around me, you know? 
It's about my friend Mike, my friend Chris, you know, everybody, right? When I start, when I stop thinking about me all the time and thinking about others, my life changes, you know. Uh, I have friends in here that uh, I would do anything for, you know. We talk about having each other's six, right? You know, uh, we, we have each other's backs no matter what. And, you know, so I'm rambling. So this is the part we're going to wake you guys all up. Um, yeah. We have the ushers that can help us hand out some papers here. So I'm, I'll, I'll keep reading while we get working on this. In dealing with these resentments, we set them on paper. We listed people, institutions, or principles with whom we were angry. We asked ourselves why we were angry. In most cases, it was found that our self-esteem, our pocketbooks, our ambitions, our personal relations, including sex, were hurt or threatened. So uh, they're going to hand out these little pieces of paper. And uh, did you cover that yet? I was talking to Colleen. Okay, so we're going to write down our resentments on it, whatever it is, who you're mad at, or whatever you're mad at. But those paper, that paper is really special paper, so please don't stick it in your purse or your wallet. Let's take it and we're gonna do something with it, but uh, we're gonna hand out pens too. I think Christopher's got that, or he's got the paper. Okay, okay. All right, and so this, this is like straight from the AA book. Like if you were to do your fourth, fifth step, I mean, that's what we're doing right now. Uh, it's a little bit of a, a shortened version of it, and if you want to do the full version, come talk to me afterwards. I'm happy to get you the, the worksheets for it. But so this is the first column of your, fifth, your fourth step. I'm resentful at, list all people, places, things, institutions, ideas, or principles. Right, small. <laughs> with whom you are angry, resent, feel hurt, or threatened by. We have a poster board for Randy, so. Yes. Yeah, I mean, if, and if you need more paper, please grab it. I mean, these, I really want you guys to think about the symbolism behind this, though. These are the resentments you've been holding on to, right? This is the poison you've been drinking that's been keeping you sick. Get rid of it. So this next slide is actually um, from the big book. This is, and I'm sorry, it's a little hard to see, but uh, essentially when you're doing your fourth step, and we're just going to put down the, the names today, but when you're doing it, you're going across the row. You're writing, first you're thinking of the person that you have a resentment towards. Next, you're thinking of what caused it, right? And then you're thinking of those things that I, had, I was talking about before. What, what is that affecting? What character defect inside is that, is that targeting? Usually self-esteem, uh, finances, ambitions, relationships. And then the fourth part. This is the part that's really tough. This is the part where you have to look in the mirror and say, okay, what was my role to play here? What, where was I responsible? Where was I culpable, right? Because these aren't other people's feelings. This isn't other people's resentments. These are your resentments, right? So where is that coming from? Where, what was my part to play? And I like to give this example. Um, one of my resentments that was on my fourth step was the way that my mom was treating my dad at the time. And I, I took offense to that. I was frustrated with her because I thought she should be treating him better. And I'm like, okay, so where, where's my role in that, right? 
Well, it was the control. It was my need for control, right? I needed to be able to control that situation that wasn't mine to control. And as you do this fourth step, you start to see, oh, hey, there's patterns here. This all kind of boils down to three, four, or five different things. I'm seeing this a lot on here. Those are your character defects, and those are what we're going to give to God. Everybody got a pen and a paper? If you don't have a pen or a paper, raise your hand. Back there, right here. Over here. Pens or paper? Pens, right here, Dom. And then Joe in the back with anyone. These guys right here. We're out of pens. I'm going to grab some more. So real quick, I'll tell you about one of my resentments while uh, Christopher's grabbing pens. Is uh, I was resentful at the Florida Department of Corrections. <laughs> yeah, because I was in prison, you know. I, I was really resentful. They, they made me, uh, you know, uh, stay there for... The, the time that I was there, but uh, what was my part to play in that, right? My part to play in that was I decided to, to get high and go rob people, and uh, that, was, that was part of my uh, moral defect, right? So, yeah. would you like to? Yeah, well, and uh, to think about resentments, and like, so in our church culture, that would it'd be kind of like an unforgiveness. Like there's someone that we're holding that had offended us, and we're holding that offense. And we're not willing to forgive them. So to think about that, is there someone that has hurt me? Or have I hurt someone? When I've done this in my life, when I've done this moral inventory, I'm realizing one of the biggest persons in this category is just two letters, M-E. It's me. I would often have to write down me and say how I'd hurt me, how I'd mistreated myself. there's even times, so God is perfect. He, was, he will never sin. But there's times where we have certain thoughts or mindsets or traditions that we're raised in and we think, well, God has, he's going to have to do this. And he didn't do it because that actually wasn't who God really was. That was just a, a tradition or a, something that was in our culture. So I actually had to write down, I wrote down God. There's times where I've written down the church, that I've been hurt by the church. And I've had a resentment towards the church or towards someone in the church. I've written that down. What we're going to do is we're actually going to take this and we're going to give it over to Jesus today. We're going to nail it to the cross. So uh, if we could, can you guys go ahead and pull that up and out? And then uh, switch it over so the red tape is on the upside. do si I like that. And then if you want to go ahead and get the, the nails and the hammers out... Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to go ahead and, and give this over to Jesus. Like we're actually going to, what he did on the cross is more than enough. So the unforgiveness, the resentments that we might have in our life, we can hand it over to him. And we want you to be able to actually just visualize you're giving this over to Jesus. So in a moment, I'm going to invite you to come on up and actually nail it to the cross. Now there's some of you that are really going to want to nail that in really hard. And I would ask that you wouldn't because we have to pull the nails out. Uh, so don't use your Paul Bunyan lumberjack skills with nailing that in. Just, just tap it in so it'll hold. Uh, and um, we'll, there's more to come. But for now, if you have that unforgiveness, that resentment, if you'd like to come on up, there's hammers here. Just gently tap it. You need to go above. There's a red tape line. You need, it all needs to be above that red tape line. 
And if you can't do it, if you can't get down, one of us will get down and nail it for you. So. Yeah, we'd love to do that for you. So if you have that resentment or that unforgiveness, if you have that ready and you'd like to come and nail it to the cross, then come on up. There's hammers, there's nails. Go ahead and uh, just be mindful of the nails. It's hard to see them. They kind of fade into the carpet. Just go ahead and bring that up and nail it to the cross. If you, uh, if you have more, like if you thought of more, then feel free to raise your hand and one of the ushers will come and bring paper to you. Uh, we'd love to, to go ahead and fill up this cross.
There's a lot of room left on the cross, so we got more paper. I'm pretty sure there's more than 50 resentments among this whole church group here. Let's bring them up here. Let's get rid of them. finished with this, but if there's one last thing that you'd like to give over to the Lord, if there's something that's on your heart, uh, there's times where I've done this before, and I did the easy one, and then I went and sat down, and I said, oh good, check, I'm done, I'm, I, I did it. Uh, there's something about uh, inviting the Holy Spirit to speak to you. So even now, Holy Spirit, we welcome you, we have ears to hear you. Is there any other resentment? Is there any unforgiveness that's in our life that we can actually, we can be free of? We can give that over to you, Jesus. Speak to us, Lord. Is there anything that we can bring to you and just hand over to you? Speak to us, Lord. If that's, if that's the case, then show us, Lord, and help us to have the courage to do it. In Jesus' name, amen.
so when we started this, we were wondering, would there be any resentments here? And uh, there's just a few, just a few. Thank you, Lord, for how he loves us, how he cares for us. The beauty of this is Jesus, when he went on the cross, he took care of it all, all of our sin, our sin nature. He took on all of our resentments, all of our unforgiveness, all of our character flaws. He made, it, he made a way for us to be forgiven. When that confession of faith, right? And then being able to experience the blood and the body that was so freely given for us. So we thank you, Lord. Now what's awesome with him, the beauty of this, it's 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. It says, Jesus, he's faithful and true, and he will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Therefore, confess your sins to him. We've, this is a confession, right? And he will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So it all has a way of, of going away. So let's see... Let's see what could happen here. It's all gone. Jesus took it all. Can we all stand up? Can we sing this? That overwhelming never-ending love of God. Victory, Lord. Thank you, Lord. so compassionate towards you. As you head out today, our ushers have nails that they'd like to give you as a reminder that you left it here. You don't have to pick it back up. It's done. Jesus says, it is finished. Let's say that with him. It is finished. So as you head out, grab a nail and maybe put this in your pocket this week as a reminder that you, you had a, an opportunity to hand over that resentment, that unforgiveness, and that he's taking it. He's taking care of it. He's moving mightily in it. Amen? Before we close. Uh, home church tonight. Oh, yeah. There, uh, Joe and Jean would like you to invite you to their home church fellowship. First step, it's at 630. It's at their house tonight. So if you'd want to come and join, do you want to say anything about that? Oh, no. Whoa, he's not saying something. Okay, I'll say well, that. I, no, I, no, you said no. <laughs> One more thing. I just wanted to say something about this. So, you know, Christopher said stick this in your pocket. If you do throw it to the curb, we have more, right? Jesus always has more. So. Amen. 
Amen. Would you uh, just place your hand on your heart? Lord, as we've had a, uh, such a sweet time with you, we thank you for all that you've done this morning. Between the worship time, uh, the dedication of Selah, uh, the message, Lord, we thank you for how you spoke through Joe and Michael. And Lord, you're continuing to speak to us. Help us, Lord, that we wouldn't forget, that we wouldn't be like a rock concert and we we just kind of move on to the next thing and, oh, wasn't that nice? Now, whatever, whatever's coming next. No, Lord, that we would actually remember. We got up off, off our seat. We came forward and we, we brought things to the cross that we surrendered it to you and that uh, we were welcoming you to do that work in us. It's James 5, 16. It says, confess your sins to one another, pray for one another, and you will be healed. That's a promise from the Lord. Lord, there was a confession that happened as we got up and we came forward and we handed things over to you on your cross. And now we're praying for one another. We pray for the person to our right, to our left. Lord, we ask that you would move mightily in their lives. If they need healing, if they need uh, a miracle, if they need uh, even a breakthrough, whether that be in finances or in relationships, Maybe there's things that say, oh, there's no way God could ever do this or that. Oh, Lord, you're the, you're the one that makes impossible possible. So we bless the person to our right, to our left, in front of us, behind us. Move mightily, Lord. We pray for them. And then that last part, it says, and you will be healed. Lord, we take in the healing that you have for our heart, our mind, our soul, our spirit, our body. Come, Holy Spirit. We welcome you. Bring healing. Bring restoration. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Would you receive this blessing? May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. That you, the sons and daughters of God, would truly be all that you're meant to be. So that you can do all that you're meant to do. That you do that with his favor, with his peace, with his abundance. We pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen, amen. Be blessed and be a blessing. Let's go. We got some work to do. We pray that you received encouragement and impartation as you heard this word today. Connect with us on Facebook and at newday-church.org. Thanks again for listening to this message.